Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. What a great day to celebrate that Jesus is alive. That we have a reason to celebrate because he lives also. I've, uh, I've titled today's message, Set Free to Remain Free. And I'm sure that that anyone that's ever spent any time inside a jail or a correctional facility for whatever reason, we, we're not going to go there this morning, you don't have to divulge, um, could relate to what it feels like to finally be on the outside again. Maybe you've gone and visited someone in jail. I haven't actually been in jail myself, but I have had to go and support someone in the local lockup on one occasion. And, you know, handing over your phone and, and all your ID and all that sort of stuff, and finally getting to the point where, you know, after a couple of hours and this, this person's actually been interviewed and so on and so forth, I get to walk out of this place. And I get to go back to my regular life and what my life looks like. Uh, early on in the week, I was, I was intrigued by an article that I came across in regards to Alcatraz. And, uh, you know, there was three gentlemen that escaped from Alcatraz quite a few years ago. And, and it appears that a letter had, had resurfaced uh, that would suggest that one of those guys could have possibly still been alive. There was a whole heap of speculation as to whether they actually got their freedom or not. Uh, it was the 11th of June, 1962. There were two brothers, Clarence uh, and John Anglin, and another guy by the name of Frank Morris. And these guys went to great efforts to, to cover up the fact that they were still in bed. And uh, someone would play music at night while they were digging through the wall. And, uh, you know, there was a great amount of effort that went on collecting hair from the barber's shop to make a, a, a head effigy, you know, so they could make it look like someone was still in the bed when they got out. So a great amount of effort went in to purchase their freedom. So we believe, who knows whether they did actually make it out and survive or not. As I said, when we think about what it's like to finally taste freedom. And, and I believe that that's what Jesus has purchased for us through the death and resurrection. Is He's purchased freedom for each one of our lives so that we can have life. And he said that he came to give us an abundant life. He came to set us free, but he also came to give us an abundant life. You know, there are situations in life where we, we simply find ourselves sometimes stuck though. You know, it's, it's not like you're in the jail cell, but in life, sometimes we can just feel stuck. You know, it might be, you might feel stuck in a relationship. You might feel stuck in, in, in your job. You might feel stuck in, in, I don't know, the house that you're living in, maybe the neighborhood and, and who's around about you. You know, sometimes we can just feel that we're stuck. And uh, recently, uh, Rochelle and myself took a, a trip down to Penrith to do some furniture shopping. Who knows, furniture shopping is always fun. Uh, you know, it's going to cost you some money when you buy some new furniture. And so we were, we were down in Penrith and uh, we're driving around and we had to get from one sort of area to another. And, uh, and I thought I'd take a shortcut. Let me tell you, it wasn't a shortcut though. Because I thought I'll just take this side street here and we'll come around the block and we'll come in on the other side of Mulgoyle Road and we'll be on the right side of the road. It'll all be sweet. And so we head into this estate and after we were driving around for about oh, 10 minutes, um, it appeared that, that I wasn't going to get us back onto Mulgoyle Road anytime soon. You know, the frustrating thing was I could see where we needed to go. I could see the back of the building. It was like the building's just there. Who designs these estates? They should call this Labyrinth Estate. 
Put a big sign over the top as you come in. Welcome to Labyrinth Estate. You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. Some of you will know a song. You know, whenever we find ourselves stuck, I believe that it's, it's so important that, that we understand what it is that we actually believe. We find ourselves in a place where life can just feel stuck sometimes. We can feel hemmed in. We need to ask ourselves, what is it that we believe and who do we believe? See, following the crucifixion of Jesus, we learn that the apostles, the disciples, they found themselves in a, in a situation really where they were a little bit hazy about what they actually thought about Jesus. You know, it's interesting when you actually read through all the gospel accounts of, of the crucifixion and, and again the resurrection of Jesus. And it, became, it becomes clear that the disciples didn't really expect Jesus to rise on the third day. You see, if, if, the, if the disciples really expected Jesus to rise on the third day, I would have expected they would have set up like a picket, like a vigil. Let's just hang in there around the tomb. You know, they would have had the countdown on, you know, like New Year's Eve. Come on, let's, let's put, you know, let's put three days on the clock. Let's, let's stand here, let's, let's wait because we know our Lord and Master is going to return and the countdown's coming. Five, four, three, two. But they weren't there at all. The disciples went about their regular life. And what we learn is that they weren't waiting at the tomb. In fact, they went and started to go after their own lives again. And um, I really like uh, this, this picture, this painting um, that I'm going to show you here. And uh, this is the disciples Peter and John running to the sepulcher uh, on the morning of the resurrection. It's by Eugene Bernard, uh, painted in 1898. And so this is after Mary Magdalene had actually been to the tomb early in the morning Mary was going down to the tomb to to take some spices she might have been there with some other women depends which uh, gospel you're reading uh, gospel of John at least says that she was there in the morning and she finds that the stone has been rolled away and so she runs and she finds Peter and she finds John and she tells them look that the stone's been rolled away and Peter and John head out in earnest to see what Mary's been talking about and I just love when you look at John, because the disciple that Jesus loved, you know, that's what he refers to himself as. And, and he had the lead. He got there first. So we're assuming that John is this one uh, in front. And here's Peter as well. And I just love the expression on their faces. And if you're listening to this podcast at a later date, you'll have to Google that to see what I'm talking about. You know, hope, I guess, that these guys, did Jesus really rise from the grave? Is Mary's report really true? Is, is, is Jesus no longer in the tomb? And there's this hope that you see on, on John's face and, and this excitement, almost like, you know, with restrained excitement in Peter's face as well as to what they're about to find. I just love the expressions on their faces. And if, if you want to pick that up, it's in John uh, chapter 20. You'll read the whole story. Mary finds a stone rolled away. She goes and tells Peter and John, John, John arrives first, but, but Peter's the one that stoops down inside the tomb and, and he goes in there and he sees that, yep, the, uh, the, the, the grave clothes are there and, and the, the, the wrapping that had been around about Jesus' head was all folded up. And then John goes in afterwards 
and, and he sees that there. And in John 20, chapter, uh, verses 8 to 9, it says, Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. That's John. And he saw and believed. Get this, for until then they hadn't understood the scripture that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Isn't it amazing that they, they didn't understand the scripture? And, and Jesus had spoken about this. Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. You know, destroy this temple and in three days. And he's talking to those guys all the time. He's saying, you know, the Son of Man is, is, is going to die on a cross. He's, he's telling them everything that's going to happen and still, but he'll rise on the third day. And what we see, I believe, in the life of, of John and, and Peter here is we see hope renewed. What was it that they actually believed beforehand? Did they really believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was going to come back, that he was going to rise from the dead again? And what we see is their hope renewed. See, I believe for the follower of Jesus, it doesn't just start from his earthly life and what led him to the cross, but it continues on from his rising from the grave on the third day and every other day that followed that. For the life of a believer, it's not just about Jesus coming and, and living a sinless life. And, and, and it's not just about Jesus dying on a cross. And it's not just about him rising from the grave. But it's about what happened every day after the third day. Because you know what? Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And he's wanting to live his life through you and through me. And through anyone that puts their faith in him. In John chapter 8 verses 31 to 37. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. He says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The people said, but we're descendants of Abraham. They said, we've never been slaves to anyone. They didn't know their history real well, did they? What do you mean you will be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. See, Jesus, Jesus is calling us to believe so that we can be set free. Now, I think about Jesus and what happened during those days that he was in the tomb and and what was happening in the spirit realm? You know, we, we, we learn that Jesus, he conquered sin and death. He, he, he took the keys. You know, we wonder what happened in, in the, those dark hours from Jesus actually dying on the cross for us and then rising again on the third day. But Jesus wants us to believe. There's so many people that have set out to try to disprove that Jesus actually did rise from the grave again. There's so many different stories. But one of the best proofs, I believe, is that who in their right mind would be prepared to die themselves if it was just a lie? You think about the apostles that, that came after Jesus and the ones that actually saw him appear and, and, and spoke with him on the road to Emmaus. The ones that were in the boat fishing and Jesus prepares breakfast on the shore. The, the ones that were present when Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time, all at once. And you know what? I don't know that if I had seen 
the, the, if I hadn't seen the risen Jesus and, and people were pressing me to take my life from me, whether I would say, oh, actually, yeah, uh, I, I just made it up. He, he didn't actually add it. These guys saw it. They believed it. They knew it. They went to the grave because of what Jesus had done. They were prepared for themselves to actually die as well. There was great transformation in these guys' lives. And I believe that 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 transformation really set them free from the things in this world that often beset us. Things that we get so concerned about and so hung up with. And once we can truly understand what it is to be set free, I believe that Jesus came to give us life, yes. But he says that he came to give us an abundant life. And I have to ask myself, do I always live out of the abundant life that Jesus had purchased for me? The truth is, sometimes I do. Sometimes I am feeling victorious and I'm, I'm feeling that I'm overcoming. But there's other times where I find myself in, a, in an area where it's, it's a little bit more difficult for me to feel that I'm living abundantly. But nonetheless, Jesus said that he came to set us free so that we could live an abundant life in him. And so... It comes back to what I believe is what we believe of God, what we believe of Jesus and who he is in order for us to truly be free the way he wanted us to be free. Because death doesn't conquer Jesus. Death doesn't conquer the believer in Jesus any longer. Each one of us, we have life because he lives. And I think it's such an amazing thing. John chapter 20 and verse 31 John said this, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you'll have life by the power of his name. I love John in, in uh, John chapter 21, goes on to say in the epilogue, he says that there are so many more things that, that we could say about Jesus, the miracles that we saw and, and, and the many signs and wonders that he did, but he said, Perhaps that there would not be enough room to and enough books to actually contain everything that Jesus did that you could write and, and contain in a book. But, but John was wanting to tell his readers, he was wanting to reinforce to his readers, he wanted us to continue to believe, which suggests to me that there are times when we might have doubts. There are times when we might question whether, whether God really is for us. Whether, whether we, we are really saved, whether we're really walking with Him. There's seasons like that for all of us. But through those seasons, I believe John is wanting to encourage us in his gospel to continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He says, by believing in Him, you'll have life by the power of His name. Who doesn't want life? I, I, I want life. I, I, I want to live a life that is, is free from the things that can often come around about us. And I want to look this morning at three things that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has set us free from. Number one, he has set us free from the penalty of sin. The Bible tells us that there's a price to pay for sin. The Old Testament teaches that, that there were so many sacrifices Moses had to bring in and uh, I was only talking to someone on Good Friday and I was saying, I think I was talking to Pastor Steve and I said, you know, it's amazing when you think about all the different sacrifices that had to be made. And uh, one can scarcely keep track of 
how many goats and how many bulls and, and how many sheep. And, but see, this is the thing, that there had to be blood shed for the price of sin and the, and the scar that sin left on humanity. So Jesus set us free from the penalty of sin. And Paul says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 to 26, he says, For everyone has sinned. We're all in this together. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past times. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time, in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. It says here, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. And Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Isn't it great that, that we are free from the penalty of sin? That, that, that we don't have to pay the price. I love it when someone else picks up the bill. You ever been out for dinner and, and, and someone's just blessed you? You know, it's, it's so great when someone else picks up the tab. And Jesus picked up a tab that, that really, you know, should have been born by us. But Jesus gave us an amazing pardon in his sacrifice and through his life and death. So first thing is that Jesus, he has set us free from the penalty of sin. The second thing that Jesus has done, he has freed us from the power of sin. Paul also shares here in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, he says, sin, no long, sin is no longer your master, for you no, no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Isn't it great that, that sin no longer has power over us when we live under the grace that Jesus bought for us. We have this amazing grace, you know, that, that people sing about, we sing about, this, this amazing grace that comes around about our lives when we embrace what Jesus has done for us. So we don't live by the law. The law no longer has, has rule and dominion over our life, but as we, as we celebrate during communion, a, a new deal was cut in Jesus' blood, a, a new contract, a new covenant was cut for us. So that we could now live our life by grace. And so the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so you and me and anyone else that puts their faith in Jesus now can walk by grace and live by faith. He forged that for us. He set us free from the power of sin. He set us free from the penalty of sin. Number three, he forged the way towards freeing us from the presence of sin. And this is one of the most amazing things. And I, I love what Paul shared here in Romans chapter 8, verse 21 to 23. He says, The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Let's just stop there and think for a moment. Death and decay. Everything that we see around about us. Every day, I, I, I don't actually look at my face every day in the mirror. I've got to rephrase that. Whenever I look at my face in the mirror, you'll think I'm really vain if I say every day. But whenever... I look at my face in the mirror and I see wrinkles and I see more gray hair. And I think, God, one day, 
You are going to free us from this, this, this body, this tent that is slowly wasting away, decaying. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. I think it's really cool that Jesus, when he rose in his resurrected body, you know, we read there in, uh, in John 21, and uh, Thomas, Jesus had already appeared to the disciples behind locked doors, and, and Thomas wasn't present at the time. And they come and find, the disciples come and find Thomas, and, and Thomas, he says, look, we've, we've, we've seen the risen Lord. Jesus is alive. And Thomas says, well, unless I actually get my fingers and I, and I put them in the, in the nail holes, and, and unless I get my hand and I, and I place my hand in his side, I, I will not believe. John tells us that eight days later that they were once again behind locked doors again, and, and Jesus is there in amongst them, appears in amongst them, says peace to them, speaks to, to Thomas, and he says, hey, Thomas, come and check this out. Have a look. Jesus actually had a body. Jesus actually had form. We also read that Jesus had breakfast with disciples on a beach. And uh, isn't it great that, that whatever our resurrected body is going to look like, that it's going to be a representation of us, that we're not going to look like, you know, not unrecognizable. The, the, the disciples could recognize Jesus. But I just think a body that's incorruptible. A body that doesn't decay, a body that doesn't get old, a body that doesn't ache any longer. And that's what we have got to look forward to for what Christ has purchased for us. That one day he's going to free us from the presence of sin and that he's going to set everything right again. I want to finish with this quote by Clarence Jordan. And he says this, he says, The proof that God raised Jesus from the dead is not the empty tomb, but the hearts of his transformed disciples. The crowning evidence that he lives is not a vacant grave, but a spirit-filled fellowship, not a rolled-away stone, but a carried-away church. <laughs> we come this day and we celebrate all that Jesus has done. Some people like to wave flags. We, we like to express this freedom that Jesus has bought for us. See, Jesus came to set us free that we could remain free. And I believe the Bible, I believe that the living Christ is still wanting to set people free today. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that, that you paid the price for us. We thank you, Jesus, that because you live, we can also live. And the life, Lord God, that you've, you've given for us to live is a life that you want us to be free in, Lord. And Father, I just pray that as we come today, and Father, we just offer our hearts to you. If there's any person in this place today, and, and for whatever reason they're feeling, Lord God, that they're not free, then Father, I just pray right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, right across this room right now, if that's you and you're just saying, well, there's this thing, it's just holding me back. I just feel that there's just something there. Come on, friend, can I encourage you just to give that to Jesus right now? Jesus, we just come. 
We thank you, Lord, that you have come to set us free. And right now, we just declare release over every person's life, over everything that would try to constrain and hold them back. Lord, we just declare freedom now in Jesus' name. And Jesus, we want to thank you for your wonderful grace, your wonderful love that you have for each one of us. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.